Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. everyone uh i am andy richter i'm i i'm a stalwart in that department i will remain andy richter as long as i possibly can until they pry the andy richter out of my cold dead hand uh and i have a, a very funny very talented guest here tonight i first got to know him because um he was uh caught up in the rolling ball of goo that team coco is uh he yeah. became attached to it and then with each successive role, got deeper and deeper into it until now. I'm sure he has a Team Coco tattoo somewhere. Um, but it's the very funny uh, comedian, actor, um, bon vivant, uh, uh, philosopher, poet, um, swashbuckler, uh, Moses Storm. But that sounds like it's about to be the most annoying interview. <laughs> like, oh, he's a philosopher and a poet. Like, ugh. Well, I like to let people know what they're in for. Yeah. Um, yeah. By um, the way, I, I never thought about it before, but just today I was like, that your name is ridiculous. It's like a super 100%. It really is. And I think people just automatically will say things like, oh, that's a great name when they really mean it is a stupid name. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> like it stands out. You it's know, not someone- stupid, but it is kind of like. It is. It's like an X Men. It's like one of the yeah. X Men's, you know, real name. You know, it's like just L, which I guess you could phrase under because, like, the, you know, the world of of comic books, especially, you know, when X Men were becoming X Men. Not, you know, now they're all dark and complicated. But just like, right. you know, when Jack Kirby was naming things, and everyone was like, you know, you know. Gideon Stone and you know all these ridiculous right. names, you know, like it's right. like that. It's a strong name and then an element. Uh, yeah, it is like the older I get, the more I'm like, oh, I understand what what's behind it. It's just like people will co- immediately comment on it because we're all looking for something to break the yeah. ice. And then uh, you hear good name a lot, but it is like when someone gets a haircut, like oh, it looks nice. You just mean that you noticed it. Yeah, is is really what it is. Does it look better, or do you do I look much fatter? So yeah. it's uh yeah, it's odd, and it's not a great story too. I wish it was. I've tried well, to like. That's what I, I specialize in, you know, in like sea level stories here. So yeah, <laughs> this is the guy. I just mean the name. I think the story. Oh. who they are, great, but it is just like, if I had to guess, it's just oh, they had a lot of kids. And that's it. it. There's less importance well, it, on names. I mean, yeah, but the biblical nature of it, given your history, is it's very pointed. Like, how many siblings do you have? Uh, so there's five of us all together. I have four and siblings. Do you all have Bible names? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, without disclosing too much of their personal life, the oldest one, the very first one, is just the concept of religion. Her name is Faith. So uh-huh. it's <laughs> they were going hard. Yeah. Um, by the by, end, they were they were naming them Yahweh. Uh, just, Yahweh, you know, going deep, yeah, deep yeah. cuts. Yeah, Moses is one of the more extreme and egregious ones. It's like everyone knows people are like, oh, were they fans of the Bible? It's like that's they're you got to be a huge fan. Yeah, it's like yeah. being named Da Vinci Code. Yeah, it's like you. We know what book you like. Yeah, I had a. We used to have a plumber named Zeb, or Z, is it Zebediah? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which yeah, I just the, that's that's not fair. That's Zeb. Yeah. I think I okay. So if you were writing, if you were like in a writer's room and you had to write a character, you wouldn't want to give him two unusual names. You wouldn't want to be Moses Storm, right? Like a good name is like, oh, one thing that's unusual, an insane last name. Yeah, yeah. But that two like double positives, it just yeah, it does sound very X Men, yep. Weatherman, yeah, magician y type name. Yeah, yeah. Well, too late. Which is a real thing. I've, I I was doing a shows at the Punchline San Francisco, and I think when you're not famous, they put like a poster up of you as like your face and and your name, uh, just to be like like a humans here. And then I was walking behind people that were just trying to find out what was happening at the comedy club. Mm-hmm. You know, they had, they had tickets or anything, and uh, they were a little drugs, so they were speaking their mind. No idea that I was behind them, and the girl just was like, "What is a Moses Storm?" And I never heard it in that context. And then I just overheard them talking and loosely her boyfriend was like, oh, yeah, I think I know him. But uh, do we really want to see magic tonight? (laughs) (laughs) But he was like very confident that I that he had seen me and that I was a magician. Oh, that's great. That'll kill your boner. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's all the things that people like in real time struggling to find out who you are. Yeah. And uh, yeah, making making. Do you ever get anything for your name? It seems very, like uh, a very wholesome Christian name. It's like a it's, filler. Yeah, I mean, people they have trouble with Richter. They're not, you know, like they'll think it's Richter, or it is frequently spelled R I T C H E R, because C H T. Those three letters are not together in English. You know, yeah. So people, I think they're naturally it's TCH, but but no, it's 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 uh, uh nobody cares. Was I it mean, a flight at Fox though to be Andy Richter controls the universe? But it, they were like they in, they insisted. Okay. I did not want it. Uh, I I wanted it to just be named something because I didn't. I, well, because it's just I have a modicum of shame mainly. Um, but they insisted we have to have Andy Richter in the title. And then I thought, well, I'm going to make it sound so grandiose that no one could possibly take it seriously. Cause I was just like, everybody loves Raymond would, that would just haunt me that if it was something yeah. cute and, you know, you know, you know, what's up with Andy, you know, just some glib shit like that. So right. I, I came up with, uh, Andy Richter controls the universe because it, you know, captured the concept of the, the, the ability, you know, like the narrative, me being the narrator and being able to fuck with things. Um, but it's a terrible title because nobody gets it right. 
They're always like Andy Richter rules the world. Andy I might have Richter. just said it wrong after you said it. That's all right. Yeah, if you that's watch all right. back, I probably <clears throat> said something like hey, it's yeah. It was you know you don't know until Andy you know, Richter. and it's like that was that was not a great, not a great title, but eh, live and learn, you know. Yeah, exactly. I did have I, I had a humbling when you were talking about the people outside the comedy club. I had a it put me in mind of a humbling experience I had on the Warner Brothers lot. Walking back from the commissary in the middle of the day and a tour group in like they, you know, multi-row little open air buses. Yeah. Uh, you know, like giant golf carts goes by and the person is going, you know, and the, over here is where they make Big Bang Theory and, what you know, just. But after they had passed me, the 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 narrator or the guide said, uh, guys, that was Andy Richter that we just passed. Andy Richter from the Conan O'Brien show. Anybody? Uh, uh, Literally, I got to on hear. Mike. He's hot. Anybody? Mike? Anybody? I no think what? they were. I, they were. It, it, she was trying to do it kind of hushed, yeah. Just to kind of, I think, be cool. But I could just still hear it. Like, Over Mike, Anybody? struggling. Yeah, Str- just not a soul. Any, no, nobody knows who that is. Ah, uh, because oh, someone pulled up a photo. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's fine. Yeah. though. I mean, it's you know. I never can get mad. People apologize that they don't know who I am. I'm like, oh, God, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I don't really care showing up yeah. to clubs and no one's ever heard of me. But it's when people go out of their way like that tour guide to be like, I'm sorry, I don't know who you yeah. are at all. My yeah, friends yeah. came and I've I've never heard of you. Yeah. I literally never. And like, you don't have to double down on that. Right, right. And I don't need to hear any of that. <laughs> I believe I, you. I presume that most people have not heard of me. Yeah. <laughs> That's the baseline. So let, surprise me every once in a while and say, oh my God, we saw a clip of you online. Yeah. We saw this and we came out. Surprise me with that. But don't be like, you, the show was great. And I had no idea that you were a human being until right now. <laughs> that adds a yeah. lot. I would, I would, I thought maybe you'd just come out and make fart noises with your mouth, but no, you said words and told stories. We were just up for anything tonight. We thought it'd be funny to go to this and we'd be cringing in the crowd of like, (laughs) oh God, I can't believe stand up is still a thing. (laughs) You know, the internet exists, right? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's so transactional. Oh, it's like a Um, fake podcast. Someone's pretending to come up with it. (laughs) Now, uh, you have a, you have a unique uh, story. You have a unique past. Your childhood. You've probably talked about it, you know, a lot. But um, you were raised as part of a traveling Bible cult. Yeah, is that fair to say? To put a finer point on it, it's it's a doomsday cult. Oh but wow! Without the prep part, they, right? They're not right. Like and no island stuff. shaped like a skull or anything. No. Yeah. No, it is. Every time I find out about other cults, I do get jealous of our experience. I'm like, oh, I I wish we had some of that. I wish mm-hmm. we had more crazy to leave. I wish it was more successful so I could have that at least. But through and through, it was an unsuccessful doomsday cult that never took off, never had a name, never had any followers besides the three families that were originally in it. Wow. And uh, it never made any money, never scammed anyone out of money. And there was no compound. It was just three separate buses, like actual city buses that we lived in. Was that from birth? You lived in city buses? No. Like, 
Oh, okay. Which is worse because I if it was fine if you're born into it, like this is all that life is. Right. But we right. were renting a house from like Michigan to Ohio to Florida is the main places that I'm from. Mm-hmm. But overarching, it's like the United States, which is a very annoying answer. It sounds like a yeah. poet philosopher yeah, yeah. answer, right? But uh, well, I, I was born technically in Ohio, in Finley, Ohio, and then two in two years in, they got the bus and spent that whole year converting it into an RV mm. based on not the internet, but essentially, I don't know where you even get blueprints for a bus. I guess a yeah. library is that that. Uh, and then hearsay of just other people that right. have done this before. So it was it was never finished. The bus was never finished. It was always under construction wow. for the 12 years that we were in it. Wow. Yeah. And then that was most of our life is is moving to different campgrounds. And the idea was the three families would constantly be uh, missionaries, meaning like street preaching. So you go out to a concert outside or a farmer's market with big neon signs that say you're headed for hell. Yeah. And, uh, do you mean you know, neon, like neon colored, not neon, neon color. Gla- yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. 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 Not like the lights that yeah, would yeah. have implied that we had that, some money. Wow. That, yeah. That would be, and they, those are tough, they're tough to travel with. So, tough you to know. travel the extension yeah. cord to get people to not trip over that <laughs> letting out of a Rolling um, Stones concert. We'd is like brutal. to plug in. <laughs> we'd like to plug in our sign that says you're going to hell. It's plugged into a Starbucks yeah. bathroom. Going all the way out to the concert. Yeah. So we were just from early on, the first performance or the first time you're in front of people is yelling at people on the street as a yeah. child, not really knowing what any of these Bible verses mean or what the objective is. You're just like kids. So you're like, I just don't want to get in trouble. So I'll yell this. I'll yell at these strangers and say, you're going to hell. What what brought your parents to this point to to say, OK, we're religious, but it's not enough. We got to get into a bus. Like, did, would, have you ever spoken to them about kind of what the yeah. rationale was? And did they come from like really religious backgrounds or did they have sort of a a conversion at some point? Yeah, they come from pretty strict religious backgrounds, both of them. And I think it is that thing of of just they had a rough childhood. So they are trying to escape that and they yeah. want to feel special and there's no money. You so they want, there's a way to feel special is to help start your own thing. Yeah. Get on the ground floor of essentially a one-story building. And uh, my great uncle was actually the one that started it and is, to the best of my knowledge, still doing this, still traveling with his family, still street preaching. Um, but my mom's uncle, so my great uncle, is the one that started this. And uh, it happened on the, he was like a star player at the Michigan State, at Michigan State, he was a running back. And his origin story is that uh, he got hit incredibly hard and he's being carted off the field and he knew that his entire football career is over and his whole identity as a star football player over. And as he's being carted off the field, the heavens open up and then God comes down and says that every organized religion, the government, school system, that's all wrong and that this is the new way and he needs to spread the word of this before the world ends. And God's uh, walking alongside the gurney as they're going into the locker room? Yeah. Or is he just speaking down? I, he, he came down from the heavens as like a beam okay. of light. Like not a form of a man, not a painting or a rendering of what Jesus is. but Got it. Um, you know, a CTE hallucination mm-hmm. after you get hit incredibly hard. <laughs> yes, yes. 
which yeah. more power to him. Like if, if you could make something that's not beating up your spouse after mm. a CT in- injury. <laughs> but the, the the embarrassing part is that my parents heard the same story that you and I just heard and were like, yeah, that we should go along with this. I believe wow. in this. Yeah. The research wasn't there for concussions <laughs> yet. It was not there. Oh, so yeah, that, I mean, rarely, rarely has like, you know, an epiphany been so directly related to a, a head trauma. Like, it's like, this is, you don't, you know, Moses never got hit in the head by anything. I mean, maybe no. going up the mountain, the rock fell on him or something. And then right. a, all of a sudden there's a burning bush, uh, you know, and I just said, Moses, like it, uh, like it, uh, it was someone else. Like that's not your name, you know. Again, I'm not famous. So I always presume it's that one. Right. The, the Bible. I always Moses. presume it's someone's name. It's Charlton. Someone's Heston. dog's name, Moses. Yeah, a hundred percent. Or it's Charlton Heston. Yeah. That is one of the rare movies that we were allowed to watch growing up. So I've seen that movie on repeat. Uh huh. That I love is, that movie. Yeah, it is great. It does yeah. hold up. It's just like oh, it's for seventies. Not, not visually, the effects are terrible, but it is. I don't know, something comforting about it. And oh, it's the great. one thing that we were allowed to watch. Yeah. And, um, and and were there other like Bible movies? Like, could you watch the other? Jesus you know, of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. I Na- quote a lot the, of lines from that. Is that. That's not the Max von Sydow one, is it? Oh, Who's I'm not the Jesus? Sure. Yeah. But the, it is like a six hour series. It it's is, a mini it series, right? Long. No, it's not. I can't remember who that Jesus is. I don't think he he did a lot past that. It's acted pretty well. It's got a pretty big budget. I was just watching. It's like free on Amazon now. And, and um, yeah, it's great. But I've seen that on just very janky VHSs that, that kept getting ripped and copied growing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Because of the no money. In a, t- in a TV on a bus. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, which I did break. Um, I sprayed Windex on the TV screen to wash it. And I guess that broke it. Um, oh, and so many other things were broken in that oh, bus. That, yeah, but that was well, that now, was a huge deal. Are you? I mean, it's hard to to not be a dick about it. That, you know, in terms of like just you know what your parents did to you, and like you want to think, okay, they're you know people have kids and they're well meaning and they and they they think they're doing the best thing for their kid, but. I mean, this seems really, really hard. Like, was it, was, was yeah. there happy times or was it always kind of struggle and you were aware yes. of the stress? There was happy times. And I think that's even a point that my mom brings up. It's like, you only talk about the negative stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, because that's the only thing that is it's unsettled. Yeah. There's no reason to talk about the happy times. I mean, overall, no, not a happy childhood. It was constantly living in fear of my parents um, a very strict religious was it fun? We weren't allowed to have friends growing up or talk to anyone that was not our directly our siblings or in this cult. And uh, constant fear, constant struggle. I remember you and I we talked about this at Largo, but we were very aware of our parents' money problems. Like they told us, like, "Hey, we're not yeah. doing well. Yeah, like, we might not eat. Your mom's fucked." Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's a lot of stress to start thinking about that early. Um, yeah. And um and, and always this thing that's hanging over you is that God's going to end the world and it's going to end in a terrible way. There's going to be stuff. Funny enough, there's going to be civil unrest. There's going to be a holy war in the Middle East and there's going to be a plague that's going to wipe a lot of people out. That's the signs of the end times. So 
the whole year was this past year was the first year that I had revisited all these feelings and was like, there's still a part of me of like, is this right? Were they right this whole time? Yeah. Well, I mean, while you were in the bus, I don't know what the, you know, what the problem with it was because you'd just be, you'd fly right up into heaven, you know, as one of the chosen people. Right. You know, like just zoop, there you go. And Easy then breezy. people, the bus is coming with yeah. this and now. Yeah. People uh, like also, me would be stuck down here. You know, the verse that was quoted to us is that uh, few will be saved. Like in the days of Noah, that's, that's like, who's going to get saved out of this terrible right. ending of just strife and people have boils on their face. So I obsessively as a kid looked that up and there was eight people on the boat. So I kept counting my siblings and then other cult members of like, who's going to be the eight that's going to make it. Because it can't be everyone. He's got probably means like it's just going to be eight people. Oh my god! Yeah, that's that's a fun that's a fun thing for a kid to be worrying about. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think the older I get, the more mistakes I make. Sure, I become more empathetic and less angry. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm at the age now, thirty now, so like when my parents were doing this, and it is like, well, just. Yeah, if I had kids now, I would not do as many road stand-up dates. I wouldn't take more career chances. Because it's like, well, that yeah. needs to be our life now. It's just taking care of these human beings that you chose to make, or at least, you know, right. chose to keep around. So that needs to be the number one. And I think that's the only crux of the problem, is that they had the responsibility that they should have kids. And then also, just as like every selfish human being wants to feel special, wants this experience of traveling around, being in a cult, feeling special... And a little bit better than everyone because you're getting saved. <laughs> so I understand that feeling. Yeah. But uh, you, yeah, I think the problem is the kids. Did you feel like a religious conviction throughout your youth? Like, I, I mean, you don't really have a choice in some ways, but then at a certain point you do start to, I mean, cause I know I grew up, um, you know, my grandmother was religious and I thought about God and, you know, <laughs> like would say, my dad would tell me, uh, you know, that I would say to him, dad, do you really not believe in God? Which, you know, I mean, it's, I was like six or something. Um, but then when I got to be, I don't know, I guess whenever I was getting, uh, uh, what do you call it? Going through communion, uh, you know, the, or the, you know, the sort of, you know, junior high graduation that you do in a Protestant church. Um, I think that whatever it's called, I can't, uh, it's like you wear catechism. a suit and you do the ceremony, you say a verse yeah. and they put the thing. Yeah, on it's like you're now, that thing you're now a grown up. Yeah, you're now a grown yeah. up in the church. Um, but in, it was in that process that I was like, I don't, this doesn't make any sense. Like, there's a lot of stuff here that just like, really? There's somebody up there that cares whether or not I steal a cookie or, you know, or, or why is a bird's life worth more than mine? You know, is the bird going to heaven? You know, just all the kind of. These They're basic. always watching you, and how could they always be watching everyone? Yeah. What kind of being is that to have? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just our rational brains cannot come up with this. And it, it begs the question, like, who thought that this would work? Who thought that under, we understand the greater purpose of religion for order and for keeping people at peace as far as, like, if there's answers to the unanswerable, people won't go yeah. insane. Right. But I don't know why this is the version 
that was the most comforting. Like, who thought that this would work? Of like, it's a man in the sky. We'll never be up in the sky. Mm-hmm. But now we're up there all the time. There's billionaires up there. And there's like, there's nothing up there. <laughs> right? It's like Richard Branson's up there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that it's, it's a miracle that we've held on to it this long. And all the contradictions that are within the Bible. I mean, one doesn't need to go farther than look at Bill Maher and Ricky Gervais's insufferable work to look at um, this. It's, yeah, some of the flaws in the in the logic. But I mean, but yeah. it's obvious, you know, it's like you said, there's something about we are a particular kind of primate with a really big brain. And so we know about our own deaths. So that's scary. So in our basic development, we're like, well, I'm afraid of death. They're, that can't be the end. Okay, well, how about this? And then it takes all these different forms and, you know, and there's polytheistic societies and, you know, um, and, you know, and monotheism being like the sort of the, the, the new, the new, like jazzy, yeah. uh, the jazzy idea that, uh, that, that Christianity was given to the world. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's like, there is just like this combination of things that happen in this guy's story, you know, humble, humble beginnings, revolutionary genius betrayed by the powers that be, you know, son of God goes up to, you know, it just, there's all these things that kind of happen. And then even like, you know, that the stations of the cross, the crucifixion, like that part of it is just like the, it, the story needed a little gore for, for it to really for resonate to with people. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He just died of like a help palpitations. Like it wouldn't, he wouldn't be Jesus. Right. If it was a right, like right. high blood sugar. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or if somebody just walked up worst. and stabbed him, you know, like if, some, if that had been like, you know, one of the Pharisees just like hit him over the head with a rock. It'd be like, oh. It had to be the him? slow Mel Gibson yeah. version. Something. Of, yes, exactly. Of torture for it to stand out in people's minds. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's just a, a lot of it is if you've ever retold a story. Like I noticed this recently. I got my car broken into and I went to go like track down the backpack because – the iPad was in there so you could track it down. But the more you tell people the story, you could feel people's interest feigning in real time. So you start not lying, but embellishing certain parts sure. of the story and you like, it a you know, making the house I went to scarier in your mind. It's scary just to keep people's attention. And I think eventually after thousands of years, that story just spun out of control <laughs> to, you know, yeah. hearsay of like someone could walk on water. He could do anything. And to be like, he literally walked on water. Yeah. So that doesn't bother me. I think it's just when you have your rational brain, you continue to 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 do those things, and it's actually hurting you. Is is the problem? Yeah. I have no are problem you, with people coping. Are you learning when you're in the bus? I mean, is somebody taking care of teaching you basic school stuff? No. Um, my older siblings, yeah, there was, but there's footage of it. And I don't really remember any teaching so much as like, here's some textbooks we found at a library. Do your best to, to, to learn the stuff. And I'm like, I, well, first off, I cannot read. I cannot read. So I don't even know what I'm looking at here. Really? And, you couldn't, and how, yeah. like, how old did you get without being able to read? Uh, I'm still struggling with it. Really? If I do a table read for something, I have to like, hey, I know it's like the script is under lock, but can I please get it in advance just so I don't bomb the table read? And you have to cut right. jokes because the studio is like, that's not funny because I was sounding out a word. A lot of it is dyslex- dyslexia and dysgraphia. 
Wow. Which is like, d- dysgraphia is like the order of things in your head. Yeah, yeah. Um, undiagnosed till now. And then, uh, and then having no school structure whatsoever. So didn't fully learn how to read with like a passing grade level till maybe 16 or 17. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so like it, even like a McDonald's menu would be. Oh, yeah. No, you couldn't read that? Yeah. All the time. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and, and it's just constant misspellings. I, I stopped being on Twitter so much just because like you can try to roast people on Twitter, but you, you have all these misspellings. You ought to lose. It doesn't matter. The most solid. <laughs> I think human beings are equal. But if you misspell equal, it's like you dumb idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so no school. It was like set down in front of us. And then the one time I did go to school is only because we needed welfare paperwork to continue to be on food stamps. So you have to provide uh, school records in Florida. It's like the state law, at least whatever the uh, Bush administration was doing. So uh, I, my mom needed just the paperwork for it. And the idea was to forge the names and the grades for the rest of the kids based on one kid's paperwork, meaning whiteout typewriter. Right. Uh, so she enrolled. Just like Jesus would do. Exactly like Jesus yeah. would do. Yeah. So I enrolled into a school just thinking like, oh, all we need to do is uh, be in school long enough past to get the paperwork and then you can drop out. So I enroll into a school and you have to take an administrative test and uh, I get placed into a class almost immediately and was blown away by how easy school was. Like it was legitimately, people were very nice. Uh, I was one of the only kids that was not in a wheelchair in a very real way. And I slowly started putting those things together that I had been placed in in special ed, like a very special needs class. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the that was what I was able to test into. Yeah, was a special needs class, and we did that for two months that I absolutely hated every day. It's fun because, to be woke now and be like, no, it's just we're all learning. But it was I was just humiliated. Yeah, that's what, I mean. I was going to ask, like, was it? Just that you didn't like school or was it that you were really intensely aware of? Really intensely being... aware. It's the way that people talk to you. It's the same way that people talk to you when you're dirt poor. It's these yeah. uh, very condescending tones of like, I'd be like, I need to go to the bathroom. <gasps> okay, you're going to go to the bathroom and you let mm-hmm. me know if you need any help in there. Okay, you're going to do a super job in there. And don't <laughs> be embarrassed of anything. If you need anything at all. And right. that's just, that hurts worse than anything. I'm like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. Uh. Or when you're poor, we would go to food banks, or like, like, uh, like homeless shelters, the way you're talked to, that like, this is, hi, this is so bad for you. Here you go. You're welcome. Yeah. Is the part that hurt worse than any, like, I'm hungry. I'm worried about if rent going to be paid. It's that. Yeah. Yeah. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 
Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Well, when do you when do you start thinking about getting out of there? Oh, uh, pretty early on. I, I when did you hit that point where you're like, oh, my parents they don't got this. Well, I was never I wasn't brave enough to to like really. It wasn't until after I college, you know, like yeah. I was just gonna I was gonna do as I was told, and you know, and I. I kind of did that up until I got, you know, probably my early 20s. I started to be like, no, you know, I've kind of been. And because I thought. I thought a lot of the choices that I made, I made. And I mean, I, 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 I thought I had made them wholly willingly. But yeah. in retrospect, it was like, no, they were. I did say yes, but I kind of also was letting the decision be made for me you know, like um, just where to go to college and things like that. But I did switch halfway through college and went to film school, which was probably the first big step in sort of breaking out of the mold of just kind of normal, do normal things and be normal and, and come back to your hometown and be normal there. The first thing you did for yourself of like, oh, what if I just followed this thing that I'm interested in? Yeah. That, I, it would probably be that it would be, it, you know, because that was a big upheaval. You know, once you're in a college, I, I went to University of Illinois and uh, once you're in a college, it's like, it's a fucking drag. I mean, it's a yeah. drag to be in college. And I had a hard enough time uh, with. It, it, you know, it wasn't until I was out of college that I felt like, well, now I'm ready to learn something, you know, because yeah. I was just learning how to be out. You know, you're learning how to be out of the house and to be your own person and, and just cope with adult life in this kind of, you know, relatively baby proofed environment. Um, but just a depressed wreck and no, no structure, no self-imposed structure. So just, you know, like homework and, and, and unfinished, you know, schoolwork, classwork would just pile up around me like a hoarder, you know, like, yeah, it felt like, I've I've said this, you know, because my kids sometimes have the same trouble. I'm like, it really does feel like, like a hoarder's nest. Like, because if you, if you if you have one thing late, you know, you're like, or you know, if there's one project that's late, oh you're my like, god, yeah, you know, you're like, oh man, I got to finish that. But if there's seven or eight things late, you're like, well, I mean, come on, it's crazy. How can Fuck I even? Yeah. yeah. How can I, I even make any of this? I'm choosing to take the identity right now of I'm overwhelmed and it's too much. Yeah. Um, that is exactly what I'm going through right now, just trying to set this special up. It's, yeah. Because it's, it's not just the material and the performance, it's the minutia of like, because uh, I'm helping to direct it as well, of like set pieces, there's people I have to email back, there's a ticket link, there's video elements to the show. It's too much, so I'm just choosing to, to take the identity of like, it's just, I'm just overwhelmed. Yeah. You've broken me with so too much, <laughs> which is uh, not helpful. 
Um, when did you did, to get out just, of it? What yeah, got yeah. me out of it was uh, early on. Once you see how the sausage is made, once you see where the money is coming from, which is we would you'd be in a dumpster. We'd be in a dumpster getting food behind a grocery store. We'd be going through people's garbage to sell at a yard sale. We would set up a yard sale, not on our property because no one's going to come to a, a trailer park. We would go to city property essentially and set up in front of someone else's home mm. on that little grass before the curb. Sure. Constantly getting yelled at other adults around my mom, mainly yelling at her and saying, you're, you're an idiot. You're insane. What are you doing? Yeah. You can't set up a bunch of junk in front of my house. Get out of here. Yeah. Lady, get out of that dumpster. What the fuck are you doing with your kids right here? Yeah. Take this money, get out of here. So that is the disillusionment of any sort of baby-proofed environment of your parents have you and they're safe. Yeah. So that's early on. Earliest memories is other adults saying, your, your mom, essentially, your mom is not doing a good job. And then as far as the religion stuff of believing that I'm going to go to hell and that the world is going to end in 45 minutes from right now, uh, I, I got a job at a grocery store because we were desperate times of money, even though working in the workforce and having a secular job is, is a sin. Yeah. Um, I got a job. So I was around to be, it was, it was around kids my age for the first time. And then, um, I got close to this girl who was a friend who I was absolutely in love with. And that was enough of an incentive to open up about a little aspects of my life. And then, um, just hearing what I believed through the filter of her just absorbing it was enough to make me completely deprogrammed. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, it is insane. Once you just say it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. It is really stupid. That's one of the magic keys to therapy. Is it like, you know, like uh, people that don't that aren't in therapy, they think that somebody it's like something from TV from the 50s where somebody's like, here is your problem. You know, you fixate on your mother. It's like, no, it's it's when you say it out loud because they're all I'll never say anything in therapy. That I don't already know or haven't said to myself, but when I say it out loud, that's when I'm like, oh, yeah. And then you make connections and you're like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, I'm fucked up because of that thing. And or, right. oh, right, I should stop doing that. And I see a pattern here. It's a hurtful pattern. I should stop that, you know. Right, because we do think too fast. The, the brain's dangerous in that if you have yeah. a fear of like, I, I'm not going to get this done and I might never work again. It's over for me. This is yeah. my one shot. And you just spin so fast. But if you have to structure it, Organize it out it, yeah. loud. Yeah. And you only have a certain time limit and it can't go on forever because you know the rhythm of a conversation. Then it's like, oh, yeah. So this is the thing I believe. And yeah, it's, um, it's over. Was her reaction hard to take? I mean, or was she, I mean, I imagine she was kind of. Uh, the girl that I was in yeah. love with. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, her, her response was in her behavior and her not wanting to. Uh, essentially be with me. I was so, such a weird person. So antisocial, had no idea how to interface with another human being that wasn't a sibling. So it was in her actions. It was like me finally admitting that I loved her. And she's like, yeah, it's kind of too late. I mean, you know, for two years and you never made a move. You never did anything. Yeah. And I was kind of expecting her to do it. And I just didn't know how it worked. So without her directly saying, no, this is insane the way, just what I was putting in was not coming back, or at least what I thought I was putting into this. 
Right. It's like, hey, this is me being vulnerable. This is me opening up and saying as much as I'm capable of saying at the moment. Uh, and then that not being enough. And yeah. then just that first heartbreak, it was enough to be like, well, if I love her, and that feels great. I feel incredible. It feels like every cell in my body's on fire. I'm with her. And then this religion or this ideology says that what I'm feeling is wrong and that this person is going to hell. Then there's no way that that one's right. It's a feeling yeah. thing. It's a gut feeling. And when you, you feel the truth, you know it. So it was just that. And I wish that, again, like my name was a better story, meaning like it was more profound, but it really is just a horny teen yeah, <laughs> wanted to hook up with someone, and uh, it's just it just felt right. I'm like, that's what you should be doing, and um, yeah. So that well, all that goes away. Was she aware that you had not been around other teens? Like, was or did you kind of keep that <sighs> under your hat? I didn't even know it, uh, it. My story doesn't have the currency that it has now. So no, I think when you're a kid or a teen, you're just. You're just trying to blend in. Don't do anything right. weird. Don't wear Converse with red laces or I'll die if someone calls this out. Everything is so high stakes at that age. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you're not normal, you're weird and you'll, you're not going to sit with us. Right. So now in the industry, and I really have to watch myself to not embellish stories and to not sell people out in my life just so I can monetize a, a poverty narrative. Um, it's rewarded the more tragic things I've gone through. The fact that our cult was on Dateline, there was a murder trial. You get rewarded for these things of look how fucked up it is. You yeah. should be on this show. You should write a book. So now it has currency. Now it's finally paying off. But back then in the, the formative years when your brain is mush, yeah, yeah. it was just bury the story. Just lie. Just say you're from Ohio and then yeah. nothing else. What is, what is your, I mean, that's interesting. What is, What is your relationship with all that trauma and all that juicy stuff that, you know, this tacky, tacky industry? I, I mean, because I imagine it's sort of like, well, you know, okay, you know, if you, you want to buy the rug, I'll sell you the rug. You know, I know you came over here to buy my uh, strawberry preserves, but if you like yeah. the rug, you can take the rug too. Yeah. You know? It is that feeling. It is that yeah. like, I wish you just liked me for me. I just like want to make jokes. I don't want to do Nanette, for, but for boys. Yeah. I don't want to do that. But you kind of, you can't escape your story. You can't escape your past. And I, in a very real way, no, I just wish it didn't happen. I think yeah. people, it's this false narrative that's sold to you that trauma somehow makes you stronger. It makes you interesting. And it allows you to help other people because you've been through it. And it's like, well, yeah, it'd be nice to not do that, though. It'd be nice to not have that burden of me digging other people out of their trauma yeah. or being a voice for people that went through a similar situation. Yeah, I wish I could just be a lawyer. I wish that, sure, those things didn't happen. Um, it would, it would just like that internet thing that goes around with the yes queen of like, trauma doesn't make you stronger. Trauma makes you traumatized. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's true. That's that's actually what it does. <laughs> Not a lot yeah. of people can pick up the pieces and exploit their past for a story or a script deal at FX. Yeah. So, yeah, overall, it's like, no, don't do that. If I could go back and say, just no, you don't have the story. If you could just be a boring white guy, which are not in vogue right now, that's fine. Yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. 
because yes, you have this interesting story, but the effects from that life carry on to this day. Yeah. The fear that I'm not enough, the fear that I will end up back there, not having any sort of structure of school early on. It makes it very hard to do things like learn the lines you have to learn today. Yeah. Email these people back to to set up the special, the thing that you know is good for you. Yeah. Do that thing. Um, ask for help when you need help. Uh, yeah. So the trade-off is not worth it, or at least right now it doesn't feel like it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you work on it, you process it, and I mean, and you, you know, it is it is just you know, it especially stand up is very like I said, it's very transactional and you know, and how many how many overweight people come to the stage and within a minute they're just their whole thing is like, I'm a fat guy, you know. Yeah. Or people with, you know, various disabilities and I uh, here's I'm doing gonna do jokes about my disability to make you feel better about it. Yeah. Uh, this you is know, my dream. America's got talent. Yeah. It's this really uh, but I mean I can't blame anybody for doing that because it's not like an incredibly wise space. Uh, you know, it's sort of like it's very base level. Like, just come on, tell me something so I can laugh. And yeah. and it's also like, and you know, and if like you got a weird birthmark, I'm just staring at that birthmark. I hope you say something about that birthmark. Oh, yeah. good, he did, and he made fun of it. I <laughs> love it. Do you know? you know you're fat? Are you going to say that you're fat? Yeah. Because that's, we are, as much as we want to be like, we're woke and this, it's just, it's just how you look is a huge portion of life. It's just because we're animals and we're like, is that a threat? That's a big old person. No. Yeah. It's just that. Um, Yeah. It's very stupid. And I don't fault anyone for leaning on the crux of their story, whatever their thing is, because yeah, you made something out of it. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I kind of have to now. It's the only thing. Yeah. And it explains a lot too. Yeah. So it explains like, why did you bomb at that table reader? Why did you mispronounce that word? That gives me some power. If right. Having the story out right. there of like, well, no, I've been through a lot and it's a miracle that I'm here. It's a miracle. I'm not living on the street and shitting into my hand. Right. Uh, which is weird. Does sound, sit on, shit on the street. Sound, Go shit in your hand. sound fun, you know? Yeah. But you can't fling it once it's on the ground. You it's can't hot really when it first comes out. on it. Yeah. It's got to be you interesting. Because you, you're going to get some, lo- it's whatever contact it makes with <laughs> the ground, you're going to get some actual volume loss. Yeah. So you got to do it right in the hand so you can do that great, oh. you know, and sort you of feel like. feel it. Yeah. Like silly, putty, kind of backhanded. Thing. Yeah. Oh. Feces Yeah, it's going to feel great. I know what uh, I'm doing tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you're going to do this open hand. I, I, one thing, you know, I think it, it's a healthy thing to become bored with your story too. So, yeah. the, you know, if you, yeah, I think, what do you mean you know, by that? I mean, you, your process, your, you know, and I mean, I didn't go through anything like what you did, but you know, you process what was done to you. You process, you know, how people let you down. The people that were in charge of you were not, were not acting in good faith made tons of mistakes, tons of neglect. You, you know, you sort of, you, you get mad about it. You, you know, you get sad about it. You figure out what it's done to you. But after a while, it's just, it's, 
you know, it's it's a press junket. And you've said that you've told the same story yeah. 600 times in a hotel banquet hall. Who's the um, biggest prankster on set? Yeah. 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 But it's but it's your stuff. And I think that somehow because I, I think that there's something healthy in that because it that is that is you sort of like it, it's it's fading away. You know, it's it's something you wrote on your hand and pen that's going away and going away till it's not there anymore. I mean, it'll always kind of yeah. be there, but because it's not something you wrote on your hand and pen, but but that is kind of the process of uh, I'm not about that anymore. I'm about something different, you know? Um, and I'm, in fact, I'm so much not about that stuff that I'm tired of it. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of hearing about it. Um, and so I yeah, don't know. There's more to me it, than just the 16 years that I was yeah, a child. Right. Know? Right. There's so much that's happened since then. The yeah. one thing I'm struggling with now is, okay, so we're talking about this big trauma story, right? Where there's obviously physical, verbal abuse. There's actual crimes that the state of California would consider a crime. Um, there's also siblings. So I do wrestle with, okay, I'm selfishly exploiting this narrative for a career. So it feels like a payment for the past. It feels like it yeah. happened for a reason. But my siblings don't benefit from it. They just want to work at a pet store and you are talking about your life. And the more I become a public figure, then people will ask them about it. Like, did this thing really happen? That's insane. And they're yeah. just trying to live their life and have two kids and cut contact lenses in a lab and size them. And uh, so that's what I'm struggling with now. And like, yeah. deeply nervous about the specials. Like, oh, it does kind of feel shitty that they yeah. didn't sign up for this. I, I I mean, I haven't, I, well, I've been through that on a minor level, you know, like, you know, on a podcast that I think my mom will never hear someone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sends it to her when I, you know, and I'm a little too honest about something. Um, but I do think, I think, you know, when it comes down to it, I do feel like you, you gotta, you, you got to do what you got to do. And if this is your process, you got to trust that they love you and that they wouldn't have you stymie your own process of dealing with this and getting to a better place and trying to achieve a life that you, you know, an aspirational life that you want. Um, you got to trust that they love you enough to know that like, well, he's got to do what he's got to do. You know, I mean, you're not, you're not naming them and, no. Saying, you know, I'll tell you where they live now. Uh, go to that pet store. You know, it's probably just weird for them. But if they didn't hear it, you know, if they they're going to watch the special because they love you. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, and I think that so they're going to they're going to see it and they're going to hear it. But if they didn't watch it or hear it, I don't think it would affect their lives. You know, I don't know why it would, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that makes you feel better. Yeah, it's just the other people. Like I can control the, or anticipate their response. It's just the general public. Again, this is not important. It's not going to be the number one special by any means. But just the people in their smaller lives or less public lives. It's be more polite and less of a piece of shit. <laughs> um, 
in their in their lives, like they're coming up to them and asking them about things that they didn't want to disclose. But because they're known as your Moses's brother, your oh, Moses's they know sister, that. Okay, yeah, they, yeah. Now people in your life know this thing about you. They know that you ate from the garbage. They know that uh, you suffered abuse growing up. They know that you've never been to school. Um, th- yeah, so that's the part. But I mean, to your point, yeah, it's. I do think they will understand that I'm trying to make a positive out of. Yeah, this incredible negative that and everyone also, still talks about and holds to this day when we're all together. If that's a dirty secret, it's a really shitty secret that shouldn't be kept. You know, that's all of those things being treated as if they're they can't be shared and they can't. You know that, like, then you never. Then they're always over you. You're never over them. You know, they're always they always have those those things always have more control over you than you have over them. Whereas when you say it, you get it out there. It's magic tends to be broken uh, somewhat. And I think, you know, unfortunately, they are, you know, they're going to be pulled into it a little bit. But I would hope that they would want to be. You know, have some part of this process of figuring this stuff out. And and clear in the air, you know, just get it, you know, eat out of a dumpster and and yeah. that, you know, I mean, it's like I didn't choose to. It was done to me. And, yeah, it's not I'm. it's not a thing I'm proud of. And, and it is, you know, we our society says that I should feel ashamed of it. So I feel a little ashamed of it. But I did it and, and it's not going to define me. And I'm going to, you know. I'm going to say, yeah, I did that. I did that. You know, honesty, I guess, you know? Yeah. You got to, if you're going to be honest with the world, it's, you know, if you're going to, uh, secrets are just, most secrets are shitty, <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, there are some that are, you know, uh, that are kindness and stuff, but most secrets of that kind, you know, because you're protecting mom or you're protecting the family name, like the fam, you know, whenever yeah. you're protecting the family name, I'm always like, well, fuck, then maybe it's the not name a family. Sh- yeah. 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 It's like if we ever get together for Thanksgiving, we go to a restaurant on Thanksgiving Day. Do you want to wow. see a bunch of broken families? Go to a hometown buffet on yeah. Thanksgiving. <laughs> wow. Well, when, yeah. I mean, uh, do you start thinking, when do you start thinking? I mean, we're well into this, so there's, <laughs> yeah. but, um, when do you start thinking about comedy? When do you start thinking like that the kid that doesn't know how to speak to teenagers should get on get on a stage in front of a room full of people who are expected to be quiet and listen to him? Oh, uh, so yeah, it was funny. According to my siblings growing up, was it was a tension breaker for that? Yeah, uh, all that shit that was going on. It was a way to pass the time. You're doing dumb voices. As soon as I could get a video camera, like a hand me down video camera, it was. Filming stuff, always trying to make stuff growing up. And um, I think my mom always wanted to be a performer as well. And I think the cult was a great way to be performer adjacent if you can't be. So because you have that, you're you're special, you're someone, you're yelling at people on the street, everyone's looking at you. So it's always kind of encouraged that in us and thought of it as a viable career path it's not like the parents you hear of like get a real job it was always like entertainment is the top job yeah so a lot of my uh, wants come from her wanting to be an entertainer like we would uh, which i think you might have seen this video we would 
try to make we would try to get on America's Funniest Home videos every single season. We yeah, would rent yeah. a camera and we would shoot fake bits from the time I was two years old just trying to get on the show. Yeah. Get the 10 grand. So it was always this thing in my head of performing, performing, performing as an option, always a muscle that, but without any training, was always working. And then uh, 18 rolls around and everyone's asking you, you're not going to work at this grocery store forever. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with your life? Are you going to go to college? Where are you going to go? And... You start thinking about that, like, well, I could barely read or write. I sure as shit don't know math. I don't know a lot, so I would have to go get a GED. I'd have to study. So what can I do? And this is right when, like, YouTube is is coming up and, and in, individual creators and performers. And I'm like, well, I don't have a lot of friends. So that's a way I could, that's something I could do on my own. That's a skill I kind of know about. So it was slowly just making videos. T- dog shit, YouTube sketches and um and then doing improv it was free improv that was run by a church group so and this is Christian in florida improv. this is now in california this is in now california moved to la oh okay we were everywhere just constantly getting evicted and uh always moving so in that time california we uh it was like right before the housing crash anyone could have a home so my mom was like what's your job I street preach like you get a loan, you get a loan that the fact that we got a two bedroom house should have been a sign for the markets. Like, Oh, this is going to crash. There's no way these people can pay. <laughs> the fact that we got approved. Yeah. The storm so we, family effect. So we moved out to the desert here in Palmdale uh-huh. uh, just cause you could get a home cause you're yeah. just passing it out. And then from there it was like a, from 16 on, I would drive down to LA and watch shows whenever I could sneak into comedy clubs and or shows that were like indie shows that you can, you don't have like a, a bar so you can sneak into yeah. and then met some people in a community college where I was taking a one semester of video production run by the two oldest people in the world that were telling us that digital is just a fad and that uh, everything's <laughs> going to go back to analog. <laughs> they just had just, just two like, like curved spine, yeah. older Jewish people. The husband and wife had the same gray Afro and the whole class was taught about be wary. If you want a smart career, this digital thing is a fad. So we're going to do the digital thing. Cause that's what everyone's working in. <laughs> but we're definitely going to go back to basics and uh, learn analog video yeah. capturing. Oh, that's hilarious. It's funny because when I went to film school, what I learned on video is now on your phone. Like, I mean, all the technology that I learned and had, you know, how to editing and everything, it's on your fucking phone now. You don't need to take a class, you know? We are going to have better filmmakers because from an early age, I don't know how young your kids got a phone. You're very aware of the way a picture looks. You're Mm -hmm. very aware of the technology, editing, everyone. You look at like TikTok. It's there's incredible editors. on. Yeah. There. No, both my both my kids have been making short films for their whole life, with, you know, and just to fuck around just just for the fun of it. And and I, you know, and I would notice it, uh, you know, like a couple of like little short videos that my daughter made with friends of hers when she was like 12. I was like, there's more economy in this than any, you know, first year film student. Uh, introductory student film shot on 16 millimeter film and a Bolex camera. Like she understands like why waste, why waste screen time? Get to the point, get to where, you know, 
Like at yeah. 12, she's like, no, uh, you know, because I remember being in film school and somebody saying like, you know, somebody's entering a house and somebody's like, what if we got a shot of the doorknob turning? And I just, <laughs> I said, why, why, <laughs> why? I, I don't know. Just cause I'm like, are you building tension? No, we just, we want them to get in here, you know? So. Yeah. Just you get to the action already. Yeah. yeah, it's funny that there was a time where filmmakers, half of their skill, 50% of like, that's one of the greats, was just understanding how to use the equipment. That was, I think if what Casablanca's made, it's like, oh, the director just understood th the way that the equipment works. And something yeah. that was a baseline presumed knowledge of framing. Yes, not having bullshit insert shots of a doorknob for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Not having those, it's just ingrained in us. And uh, some dumb TikTok kid who's showing his abs and lip syncing probably has the same technical knowledge of yeah. one of the great directors that's lauded <laughs> as a hero and held up. Yes, yeah. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? When do you start to think like, are you are you looking at stand up as like this is? I'm gonna make a living at this. No, or are you just looking at, at it like I want to do this because it's fun and I got to do something. I want to perform. Yeah, and that's it. And yeah. you don't book every audition you go on. Uh, you sell a show and you sit in two years of development. I just want to perform, and stand up is the most readily available. I mean, I did mm -hmm. improv. If that tells you anything about my thirst to perform yeah when improv mainly is like you perform hey guys we're the other team now we're gonna talk you're just yeah. performing for other improv students um i did christian improv it's just performing in, in front of an audience or having work that's absorbed by an audience is the only thing i love definitely want to get out of stand-up the better i start doing because i don't want to do rich guy stand-up I won't name any examples, but we all have seen these people where the stories are all celebrity stories of like, I was at this Golden Globes after party and their big closer is a thing that's not relatable or mm -hmm. not even a problem, really. Uh, it's in the, these become these like public appearances. And yeah, unless you have a mind of a great, I don't know, truth sayer of our time and you could unpack what's what's going on socially if you're just doing like observational stuff, stuff you think is funny, I think the more comfortable your life gets, the worse the stand-up gets. Yeah. Without romanticizing trauma, poverty, and uh, yeah. a heart no, struggle. I, I, yeah, I can, yeah, I could hear, I could hear like some troll saying like, so you're minimizing trauma now, even though, you know, but no, sure. and it's. Or, you know, you're, you're glamorizing trauma. You're glamorizing now. trauma. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Of like, uh, you should be, because that's bullshit too, of like, you should yeah. be struggling. You should be, 
you shouldn't take any meds and you should be all fucked up and oh, angry yeah, before no. you go on stage. And no, it's no, like, no. I hope that's being over. miserable, especially being funny. Being miserable never helps you be funny. Not at you, all. You, you're funny when you're when you feel good. Like that's when you're yeah. funniest. Yeah. And not like and, you're grinding it out in a hard room and you're performing at a bar for two people. It's like no, you should be with a warm audience. Yeah, that, yeah. that makes you better. That allows you to yeah. explore more than just barreling through an eight minute set for disinterested yeah. drunks. It's so, it's it is weird when people get real super famous because they do live in a different universe and they yeah. have different oxygen and they just kind of naturally start to drift away from 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 I think the world money in does which, buy comfort yeah or be, more yeah to, and it, to me it's just the, you. the basic thing of being told no like yeah. people people that are really famous they get surrounded by people and i mean you know I'm not even like it's a huge deal, but there's situations that I get into where everyone's like, is this okay? Is this all right? Are you fine? You know, or I go to get my own coffee. Like I could have got that coffee for you. It's yeah. Like, no, no. I, I want to get my own coffee, you know? I, I, and, and I that's think that's what that, I mean with the comfort. Yes. Like yeah. it's removing you from experience. So yeah. if you have a cushy life, you don't have to go out and go drop off your own dry cleaning where you would run into a curb your enthusiasm type of situation. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, you're eating a jar of mustard on the way into the, you know how you live. You're eating a jar <laughs> yeah, of mustard sure. on the way to a dry cleaner and you spill yeah. it everywhere. <laughs> so the, your only life experience is when you're around celebrities. Uh, I also liked it when, when you were eating the mustard, you were using a spoon. It wasn't yeah. a squirt bottle, right? Indiana? No, it was a jar of mustard. A meaning big you, jar of mustard. You emptied a squirt bottle into oh. an old pickle jar because you can't <laughs> let things go because you're a hoarder personality. And then you're going and you're not even sure. enjoying it. You've noticed this, it's a constant movement where you're like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's you're trying to avoid a feeling that's in you so you're like the tartness of the mustard is getting you through that feeling so you're just focusing on that as you yeah. stumble into this dry cleaner <laughs> the anxiety brought on by the dry cleaners because of all the beautiful garments that aren't yours yeah um well you said you said hopefully not stand up uh yeah like you, when you have, is that something you say a lot and do people get like do other stand-ups yeah get mad oh yeah it's big taboo to in the stand-up yeah. world to say that you have aspirations to be an actor writer performer there's yeah. which i don't care anymore i don't care about being david tell doug stanhope these guys are purists they go to the Midwest cornhole. They go to the dirty South and they talk to these people. It's like, I, that has no, no merit to me. That has no romance to me. Yeah. Yeah. Is grinding it out at a comedy club in a strip mall. And it's, you can't I do it. Cause I have to, you can't say that to people who enjoy it and choose it and like it and, and get some sort of, get a charge from it in some way. You can't say like, well, that's not for me. You know, you, or you can say that's not for yeah. me, but it still seems like an insult. It's, you know, it's like. And I know. don't think I, I've talked to these people and I think it's a defense thing. I don't think they actually believe that, oh, it's lame if you do TV. It's lame if you try to be an actor. I think it's just, they've been let down by an industry that constantly lets me down, mm -hmm. constantly rejects me. And instead of have just admitting like, yeah, I want to do it, but I'm instead in San Antonio at a place called LOL Comedy Club above a Nordstrom rack. Yeah. Instead of just saying that and being up front, they're like, I'm a purist. I'm an artist. I'm out here doing it. Yeah. When yeah. you're really saying as the child in you of like, I'm hurt. I didn't get that audition yeah. for that free form show. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and hard. 
it's hard to travel around and stay in the comedy condos and do this, you know, stand in front of drunks. It's hard. And so like, yeah, it's like when you're told like, I don't want to do this hard thing. They're like, well, that's because you're, you're going to get worse. You are. And you are. Yeah. You, if you're just playing theaters, you're coming, you're playing for people. You, when you, once you do your theater tour for people that know you already, yeah, they're predisposed. Mr. Richter, can I get your coffee? Yeah. They already know you. So they're already just, it's essentially a public appearance. So you're getting laughs uh, that you wouldn't get if you were an unknown and you were just going on the comedy store 10 minutes after, you know, after Rogan, which, you know, <laughs> impossible to follow for you. Uh, well, what are you, uh, what are you heading towards? I mean, do you just kind of keep in your, I mean, you obviously have this special in front of you that's, you know, consuming you. Um, but do you, I mean, what, what, if you had your druthers, where would you be? Uh, you know, in 10 years, I don't know. You pick the time frame. I'd be performing stand up when I want to. Um, uh, what I'm doing now, but on a more comfortable level, meaning, I guess it's, it's hard to say what you want because the more I get into this, it's like it's never stable. And any celebrity that you think you know, of like, they have a good life. They're, they're always working. They're constantly feeling like they're going to be knocked off the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. And they need to sustain. Mm-hmm. So it never goes away. Yeah. So I want to continue what I'm doing, but better. So that means performing, but not but not wondering if the room's going to be half filled. I want to play to full rooms. I want to play to people that know me so I can really dig deep into material and not just do jokes, but do... Uh, work on a more personal and important story. And I can only do that when you're not there to just essentially talk long enough for people to order chicken wings, which is what my job is now. You do an hour of material because that's how long it takes to order two drinks, an appetizer and food and close out. That's why, that's why comedians do an hour. It's not because that's the magic art form. That's the time. So it would be playing theaters so I can actually work on something that's not, while people are cutting into yeah. uh, overcooked steak. Uh, and then uh, doing movies, not being the star of a movie, but I like doing bit parts. I like being a character in a movie. And um, and uh, I also like having a show. If I could turn my whole thing into a show, that would be great, my whole story. Yeah. Uh, because you don't have to rely on jokes if it's a narrative show. If it's a half-hour show, then I don't have to pull the ripcord every 15 seconds and get a laugh. Yeah. What about um, outside of show business? I would uh, like to be more comfortable around my current girlfriend. I would like to open up more and not feel like I have to keep this separation between me and everyone that's intimate in my life because- You're talking about Elbows McGee. She's constantly throwing elbows. Yeah. So you can't get too close. I know, but that's part of trusting her is knowing that it will heal. I interrupted you when you were telling something real. I'm sorry. I know, but but that makes me love you more because you do what I do. That's what I do. The second that someone's doing something, it's like, stop. Something important. We're not, anyone's doing a Mark Maron special. You're not important. You said you want to get closer to your girlfriend. I just took it very literally and just saw her like, you know, constantly swinging a knife around or something. (laughs) (laughs) It's just her thing. What's going on with them? I just mean emotionally close. 
monster. Yeah. Um, like a non-psycho. Just just be able to open up and have that person um, like truly let them in. Yeah. And, and get away from this false narrative of like, no one's going to understand what you're truly are going to have gone through. Yeah. Uh, no one understands that because it's so unique. And I don't see my, this is so lame. I don't see my story anywhere else. So I have always felt the separation between me and everyone I meet. Yeah. So it would be melting that thing I know is false, but you have to be continually reminded that it's false and uh, open up and truly be vulnerable and to that person. And that means across the board, anyone that's in a close relationship with me in my life to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, I, um, in, in much the same way that you say, like, you know, showbiz stalwarts, people that have been around forever still have the, oh my God, where's the next job? You, you know, I think that everyone's grown tired of me. You know, it's my time has passed. Yeah. That that never goes away. I think, and I'm speaking from, I'm speaking personally. I, having that, do I have close enough connections? Am I really, am I really connecting with people? And I mean, and, and it, you know, it can, I can, it can happen like with my kids where I'm like, am I really, like, I love my kids and I know my kids, but like, do I really know my kids? You know, but it's also, yeah. I'm constant. you know, part of, part of getting better is inventorying. So it's like, I'm constantly running down a checklist. How am I doing? How am I doing? How am I doing? But I'm really, I feel like as healthy as I've been ever in my life mentally. And I still wonder, am I experiencing the closeness with this person the way that regular people do or the way that, you know, unfucked up people do there? And I just kind of have a suspicion that I'm going to go to my grave feeling a little bit like, just having this hunch that could be complete bullshit that somehow other people are enjoying it better. Like they're just, they're Did living the guy better. that murdered me have a better life. <laughs> and I do presume that you will be murdered. Of course. Of course. Yeah. 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 Yes. That everyone, yes. Grass is greener, but that's a catch all for everything. But yes, that people are yeah. doing this better. They have more self-worth. They're more talented. Absolutely. I feel that. With yeah. Yeah. Everyone. That even but, if I have a kid. I also, but I also mean it to kind of like cut yourself some slack. Yeah. You know, in terms of like, you know, try, you got to try to open up and you got to be, you got to try to not be, you know, it takes a long time and it's easy for me to say now, but like have difficult conversations. Like, you know, I spent years and years just being terrified of, you know, difficult conversations. And they're just conversations when you get to them and you have them, they're just like no bones are broken and no, you know, the house doesn't catch fire. You just said what you felt. And now let's see what happens, you know? And I think, you know, you know, unless your girlfriend is saying like, Hey, how come you never talked to me? Uh, no. no, I just I, know that there's this part that, yeah, I haven't even brought up. Like I yeah. even brought up the fact that I'm not fully, open with who I am. Yeah. Yeah. So it hasn't even gotten there. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, it's not this critical mass thing, but it is like, Oh, I, 
And it's not even an actionable thing. It's not like a deed. Like, I just want to tell her this one thing that yeah. about me. It's just an overarching thing. Yeah. Of just letting no, I people in. Because that is a way that you express love, a true love to someone. And if you right. love someone, you, you really let them in. Because truly letting them in is, is you're saying the shittiest things about you. You're making a case against yourself. Yeah. Um, that, uh, yeah, so it is, uh, I guess, being able to have those difficult conversations. Right. Well, you've earned your wariness. Let's just say that, you know, I don't think that anybody's going to be like, you know, <laughs> why aren't you an open book? Why are you afraid to trust? Yeah. You know, why yeah. do you have, you know, issues about belonging? You know, it's, you know, you, you have, um, you, you've, you were dealt a, a weird deck, you know, or a weird hand, I should say. Yeah. Um, well, it was weird that it gave me a whole deck at the table because the <laughs> the pin boss came over immediately and I said, like, why do you have a full deck? Did you ask this? They and then the dealer, me. he was fired immediately. Yeah. And I had to watch that. Yeah. And, and by the way, this, cool is craps. this is craps. This is craps. You even have cards. The pit boss was yelling at him so bad and it's just, he wasn't cool about it. He was, he, he started crying and he was like, I, I need this. I'm living in my civic. It was yeah. not good to watch, uh, but yeah, I was dealt a very weird deck. Yeah. Uh, but then also you gotta be, I like have to watch myself be very careful. That's also not an excuse yeah. for bad behavior. Yes. It's not an excuse to be a dick. Yes. To be like, I'm moody. Cause I know plenty of people like that. And I'm like, yeah. well, that sucks. I had a hard life. So right. Like, yeah. Man. Or just because you have a, a, a officially diagnosed mental disorder, right? And you have a $10 word. It's still not an excuse to be an asshole. It's oh, still, yeah, you yeah. still are an asshole. You can, right. Oh, I right. struggle with mental health. I can't. It's not saying there's no empathy, but that can't be your answer for why you are mean. You still have right. to apologize. Yes. Yes. I agree. Well, what do you... um? I mean, you, you you obviously are actively in the process of learning and figuring things out. Um, but what do you think is the is the the gist of what you've learned so far in the work that you've done? Which, by the way, you know, you've done a lot of work. Like to come from, like you said, you know, you congratulated you. <laughs> I mean, or you know, I mean, and you should yeah. because Jesus Christ, it is like you know, there are some people in my life that have had incredibly fucked up childhoods that I, that I just feel like, Oh my God, you deserve to be so much worse than you are. Like you deserve to be a mess, you know? And, and you certainly, like you said, you could be there. It wouldn't be a surprise if someone with your history was deeply, deeply damaged and unable to function in society, you know? Yeah. Um. So what have I learned yeah. It depends. That's such a, that's a, a lot of questions there. Cause it's like, what have you learned about performing? Right. Is, well, I mean, uh, I got, it's a answer. podcast. I got to ask you something. I know. Yeah. <laughs> the worst podcast ever. What? Why are you asking me a question? So we're riffing <laughs> on bad movies. Um, I want to talk about old candy. I don't know that. Um, I don't know that I have enough perspective to know that I've, truly learned a lesson yet. I know things I won't do again. I know things that humiliate me, make me feel bad, plan for bad rooms. Um, I don't know. I think, yeah, if you don't take inventory, is you're breaking a man right now. 
If you, if you, I guess if you don't take inventory, then you don't learn. If you don't stop down and ask yourself, what did you learn from that situation, whether it was negative or positive? Um, I don't know. I don't know what I've learned. I hope I, yeah, I hope I have gotten better. I hope I'm easier on myself. I hope I'm learning that in real time. I hope I stop taking uh, an identity from being hard on myself. Yeah. Oh, you mean thinking that that's kind of. Yeah, that being hard on yourself that's, is. That's Moses right there. Is, yeah, yeah. He works hard and he's yeah, known yeah. as someone. That's why the lockdown was so hard because that whole identity is gone. Of like, you're constantly doing something. You're always back to back, eight shows a night, and then you're shooting in the morning. Um, yeah, I think I've l- learned that that's a bullshit way to live. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, I just hope that now I can actually act on that instead of just knowing yeah. it. Do you, do you like the way you talk to yourself? You know, like, do you like no, the way that you... No, that guy should be no. canceled. I shouldn't be canceled, yeah. but the, like, hard slurs, mm-hmm. uh, it's so mean. It's awful. And the problem with that is if you talk to yourself like that, that that's in you to talk to other people like that. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't talk to people like that, well, that is the uh, stank behind it. Yeah. Uh, to me, I don't know if for sure that is true because I think it's very possible to be able to really hate yourself way worse than you could ever hate anybody else. Like to really, okay. and almost, you know, and almost to kind of take comfort in that and take a pride, like you said, an identity, a pride in that. Like, ah, here's what a stoic I am. I hate myself. I think yeah. I'm an absolute piece of shit. Isn't that great for me? You know, right. It's like this, you know, my ex-mother-in-law is like very concerned with being like kind of very holy and Catholic. But while doing that, it draws all this attention to her as like, wow, you're so holy. And you're, you know, so it's like, I'm so selfless that everyone admires me, you know? Yeah. And I I think, uh, uh, I I forgot where I was going with this because I was nervous about maybe I shouldn't say something about my. I know, right? Because everything. But, it's, okay. but, but, it's, but yeah. yes, these, these identities that we make for ourselves. Yeah, I guess the I, one thing I've learned that's actually been helpful is that nobody has it. No one's got it. It does yeah. feel like other people are better and that they're set, and that once they get this one thing, it's over and they're gonna make it. But I think understanding that and talking to people like you and the better you do, you get access to people that have have done it have lived have lived their dreams and realizing that for them like we were talking about it's not over you always feel like well fuck now i'm here i could never be the newcomer again i could never be the fresh face of this so now i have to maintain this yeah i'm already known as this one thing what if i do this so knowing that it's never over and that nobody has it is probably truly the most healing and comforting thing that Mm -hmm. i've learned in this life of performing yeah. as, a, as an adult. Cause the kid stuff was just like, just survive, just yeah. get out of this and survive. But as far as a valuable lesson that if I was giving advice to someone was they would like, you got to know that no one else has it. That's going to yeah. make you less nervous in situations. That's going to make you put less pressure on yourself where big opportunities come up is that nobody has it. No executive yeah. knows what they're doing. You, you have general meetings with these people that are, 
just meeting with you so they can justify the rent and their yeah. office. Yeah, yeah. They have no plan. They just know what's trending now. They they don't know. They don't have a plan and it all goes away. I think knowing that, I, that is one thing I wish I would have known earlier. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, I still, in my mind, feel like, and I know this, I, I, it's embarrassing to say it, but it's like, you know, any minute now, the the real stuff's going to start, like the like in terms of work. Like any yeah. minute now, I'm really going to like start firing all, on all cylinders rather than just kind of floating along from thing to thing that someone else created that I can come in, you know, yeah, you know, be a passenger in all these different vehicles. Like there, I still in my mind think like, all right, any minute now, I'm really yeah. going to, this, this blossom's going to bloom and boy, the aroma, fantastic. <sighs> Oh, and another of like when's that come? That big, I'm yeah. making it. That time yeah. when I and also I'm in incredible shape, I'm eating right, I'm doing all these things. When's that coming? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Any moment. Um, I what I wanted to say uh, earlier about how you talk to yourself. This is something like that I've been f- trying to focus on over the last few years, and I tell my kids uh, is like when you're when you're doing something for somebody. And they treat you like shit and they talk down to you and they and they call you names and but then expect you to do stuff. You're like, yeah, fuck you. I'm not going to do that. But to the person that is kind to you and says and says, I, you know, I like you. You're a good person. I like being with you. Now, could you please help me with this or could you please like head towards this direction? You're going to do it because you're going to be like. This person has my best interest in mind. This person isn't my enemy. Uh, I don't resent that, this person, yeah. you know. That is super, that is, uh, yeah, it's embarrassing to say this, but that's exactly what I needed to hear right now. Oh, good. Uh, for the stress, it's uh, already put a lot of stress away and I know how to accomplish the rest of the day now and the 85 <laughs> things that I have to do. Cause I, yeah. I mean, that is a good point. Yes. I, I'm in a happy environment. People are like, this is great. Yeah. It's so nice to have you here. I think you're great. I always yeah. have a better show like that. If people, I feel like they already know me. They already know I'm good. And if yeah. I already know me and I, I know I'm good, I know I've delivered in the past. I'm more likely to get something done. And when yeah. you hit those roadblocks, which I keep hitting with the special, just, ah, fuck. Yeah. Um, those feel less important when you have that exactly what you said, overarching thing of like, no, I think you're great. Yeah. Be kind to yourself. You're it'll good. good. It'll so get it's just one yeah, roadblock, we'll but done. overall you're yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. It'll get, you'll get it done. Well, you will get it done. I'm going to wrap up now. Cause I've okay. kept you from, from all your. I do feel better. Now. I didn't know what I was going to do after this. Um, oh, good. I was like, maybe I'll watch a couple of videos and then I'll start the work. But yeah. uh, now I actually am going to start the work because. Good. Yeah, that's embarrassing to learn like a very important life lesson on a podcast. So the other people are <laughs> that's all right. vulnerable because other people are learning it with me. Yeah. Or watching well, me learn something. Yeah. It's dad stuff. You know, it's yeah. just it's it's being a dad. Trying to, you know, make humans and make them work well and function well. So it's so weird talking to you and even Conan, it just feels like uh it is such a big part of my childhood and growing up and the way that my mushy brain was formed is, is secretly watching your guys' show. So yeah. anytime it's just this 
there's no other feeling I have talking to people besides you two. It's so odd. It's the weird. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know if you have that with anyone in your life, but I think when there you don't have access to the whole catalog of TV and you're zeroed on that, in my head, you are TV. Yeah. You are the entertainment industry. <laughs> it, like when Andy, Andy Richter controls the universe, when that came out, that was like a huge moment in my life. That's like a moment I remember. That's I like, oh, really. Wow, he's doing that. And I thought about that. And now he's not doing that show. And he's doing this show. That's nice yeah. to hear. Yeah. No, I, it's, I mean, I'm always just kind of humbled by it. And I can't really, you know, I can't like take when people tell me like, you are important to me. The things you did on television are important to me. That's nice. But like, I just kind of go like, I let it just sit there and then I walk away from it because I just feel like, no, I have to be the day-to-day human being. I can't start thinking. I get, I can't let somebody else thinking that I'm, you know, a fixture uh, creep into my identity. Like, ugh, I issue yeah. you. Yeah. One important thing I've learned, and then we should go, but to leave on a compliment, a thing I've, uh, such a valuable thing, especially when I started improv, <laughs> I was just like a mile a minute, just like, da-da-da, this idea, this idea, this idea, da-da-da. But from watching you hang back, and your devastating blows. It's the the, able, the ability to, in a conversation, you can get that joke off. If you just wait, slow down, listen, it doesn't matter how many little jokes people get off. If you deliver that one big one, because you were listening, because you have slowed down, it's, it's the most impactful one. And watching you is the thing that taught me how to do that. Or at least the oh, example, good. when I learned it in my head, I was like, oh yeah, like Andy. Because there's these huge pops. If anyone watches your interviews or like Andy's greatest hits, it's these moments you're hanging back. You've absorbed the whole conversation. So you have a callback ready. You have a, a zing ready. And it's um, it's such a valuable skill to be able to shut the fuck up and listen. <laughs> so thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I, uh, it's also too, it's like, you know, and if you're on a talk show, talk is work. So, you know, I'm yeah. Always, <laughs> yeah. I've always been taught to avoid work. So, right. And that well, Moses, Zen state. Uh, Moses, you have a good one and I will be seeing you around campus for sure. Yeah. And, uh, good luck with the special and I can't wait to see it. And thank all of you out there for listening. We will be back next week with more of this. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 